We are shows what you know We'll always watch TV And if you think we can't We'll watch more and you'll see That's why the people of the web Believe in Jim from Las Vegas And Jacob from Sweden Welcome to Castle Rock, just another sleepy small town here in the wonderful state of Maine, which supposedly has supposedly supposedly has more coastline than any other place in the world. Castle Rock, yes, it's a great place to visit. You're now entering Castle Rock. There's nothing weird or strange going on at all. I am Jim Scampoli. I'm Jacob Burroughs. Don't mind the spooks. Don't mind the monsters. Don't mind the sharks in the water, because it's going to be a nice main vacation. Uh, nope, no issues here at all. We're here to discuss the first episodes of Castle Rock. If you've never met us before, we do a television podcast called Shows What You Know, where we discuss all manner of shows. And Castle Rock, uh, you you were on this from the start, Jim. You You've known about this show since before... Well, before I knew about it, that doesn't say much. I'm not always on top of things. But uh, what was your first introduction to this show? What made you go, hell yeah, let's start a podcast? Well, it just sounds interesting. Uh, I'd heard a while back that J.J. Abrams had thrown his hat in the ring, uh, as far as a producer's concerned, to get a show going uh, in the Stephen King universe, or the multiverse, depending on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm all about spooky shit. Let's get the spooks going because I'm ready to be spooked out of my mind. Yeah, so famously I'm not as much about the spooks, uh, which sounds bad when you say it like that. But but I'm, I'm not so much into the horror aspect, but I am, you know, Stephen King is not just horror uh Mm. it's got those fantastical elements it's got it's it's larger than life and he is a versatile writer i'm not like a super fan or anything but i read some of his books and i watched uh a fair few adaptations like we all have you know even without realizing i it was just an embarrassingly short amount of time ago that i realized oh uh shawshank redemption stephen king wrote that okay cool like i just watched that like i don't know 15 years ago didn't realize until very very recently uh, but yeah, he's got his finger in all the pies. He's just an amazing, incredibly productive writer who makes so much that he just forces culture to adapt to him. And with it coming out last year, uh, I, I think that must have influenced in some way uh, this show happening because it was such a big success. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of that. Also, Stranger Things, because Stranger Things uh, in general, I mean, not... Not a Stephen King adaptation per se, but clearly uh, highly yeah. influenced by it. Um, and yeah, I mean, my history with Stephen King, I'm not a... I mean, maybe I shouldn't be saying this in a show where we're discussing a uh, <laughs> uh, Stephen King multiverse. I'm not like a huge fan. I mean, I've, I've gone back and forth. When I was a kid, I was huge into Stephen King, like when I was in school, because my dad really liked Stephen King. So, you know, I read It. I read The Green Mile. I read... Um, Dolores Claiborne, um, I believe the Tommy Knockers, a few other books. And of course I've watched all the adaptations. Always, you know, always been a medium to super fan, I'd say, depending mm. on uh the season. Um yeah. but uh I thought it was a cool idea uh with the show. Um but the thing with something like this is that you're dealing with a few things that can get very tricky. You're you're walking a tightrope, if you will, because not only are you doing a television mystery, which, as we learned from things like Westworld, television mysteries are at one time a given a giving tree, and at one time a taking tree. I guess. Uh, yeah. You can yeah. either you know be wowed and uh, you know mystified and go on quite a journey. Or you can go on a journey that really ends in in like with a shit sandwich, if you will. So, yeah, I feel there are even yeah. worse examples than Westworld. Oh I, yeah, I, yeah, you know, no, it's yeah, it's the hip one. Everyone hates Westworld now. We have a podcast <laughs> called Westworld Theories. Uh, we're still we still like Westworld, yeah, we but do. but yeah, it's a good example. Uh, Lost shows of like I don't know, yeah, Lost Legion. Um, it's another one, but yeah. um, yeah, yeah, it's it's very Fargo esque as well. We should mention like it's. 
it feels like it's influenced by it because it is like let's do a like a pastiche of all this stuff from this like filmmaking or in this case author writing uh universe and it seems like it shouldn't work but fargo showed that it can work so i guess that's why we were sort of I don't know, tentatively uh, po- positive before having watched anything at all. Well, because that's that's why I'm saying there's a few things going on. Because even if you don't have this, the weight of, um, you know, people checking in because they're fans of Stephen King and they want to, you know, be in this universe and pick up references or what have you. Just mystery in general. If you're just doing a mystery television show, yeah. which I assume something like this, if they continue, it would be more of an anthology Although I thought that was Stranger Things and I was proven wrong. So who knows? Um, But with a mystery, that's very tough to do because even more so than a mystery movie where, you know, you're putting in two hours and you might be let down by the outcome. A television show, I don't know how many episodes this show is going to be yet. I assume it would be anywhere from 8 to 12. That's usually like a Hulu slash on demand slash cable television show episode order. Mm -hmm. So now you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're investing eight to 10 hours or whatever. Uh, so when things kind of don't come out in a satisfying conclusion, that could be a letdown. And then, yes, yeah, it's sorry to cut you off. It's just twice that when you're doing a podcast, yeah. just mentioning yeah, that absolutely. as well. We're, we're making a, we're, we're putting all our money on Castle Rock right now because we just started one. Uh, and then, yes, then you're adding the extra baggage of the Stephen King uh, multiverse and expectations that can be brought along with that. Um, and we'll just see. I mean, then, yeah, just, and also since it's supposed to be, it's not quite horror, but you know, it is kind of supposed to be a little spooky. So Mm -hmm. you kind of want to deliver on that and, and just kind of grab the audience. Now I, I can say, and I don't, I don't want this to come up the wrong way, but I don't feel like this show's grabbed me yet. I'm not saying it's bad or that I'm out or anything like that. I just feel like it's leaving me a bit, especially three episodes in. I feel like I should be hooked a little bit more because I feel like if, even if you go to something like Stranger Things, I feel like in the first episode, I was like, re- I was hooked. I was there. Yeah. Say what you will yeah. about where things went or how that first season ended or if you dug the second season. I think in the beginning, they just had a great hook that just brought you right in. This show, I'm still kind of there. I just feel like with three episodes, it should have been a bit more of a pull. Yeah, I was going to say as well, I think there's a clear reason they put out three episodes at once, because if you watch these week to week, you'd feel like, uh, what is what is happening? At, at the end of watching three in a row, I felt more positive than at the start, if that makes sense, because it does reveal things, relatively speaking, very slowly. Um, and the stuff they do reveal is interesting and it's fun, but it is also totally true what you said. They don't have a, a super clear hook uh, because Stranger Things the hook is this boy goes missing um, and he goes to a weird parallel world and uh, that's that's about that. It's a mystery. We're going to solve it. It's very straightforward and Castle Rock is uh, anything but straightforward <laughs> because you have uh, Bill Skoshgord who's appeared in a prison. That's like the big hook. That's what everyone said. Like That's what's in the trailer. Like A guy who just appeared in this prison. But we pretty clearly uh, early find out that he's just been locked up there by this weirdo um, and he's supposedly the devil. Uh, yeah. We'll get into that. Um, but like that's it. So it's like what's the mystery like yeah it's like they keep the mystery so vague because it's like we who know what's going on in this town where do it no one can ever find out the stuff we do for the town it's like yeah okay well we get it and they're also there's kind of stacking mysteries which doesn't add to each one because they kind of take away from each mystery in a weird way because yes we have bill skarsgård uh, who well shows up in the prison or wh- like yeah. why he was being held in the prison. But then we also have the mystery of Henry Deaver and what happened to him and what happened to his father. I mean, I guess we kind of mm-hmm. know what happened to his father, but I still don't know the specifics on how he got to where he was at. And then we have Molly who has like empath powers, like empath psychic powers, which is, it is right in line with like Stephen King. You know, that's something he uses in his stories. But it's also funny because if this was a show and we we weren't like thinking like, okay, this is the world of Stephen King and you just had a character all of a sudden that just had that was talking about how they had empath powers, it would seems Mm -hmm. like it would be a bigger deal and you'd want to explain it a bit more. But in this, it's just like she just has powers, clearly. 
Yeah, well, I say it's going to be all connected because it's all about Castle Rock, man. It's there in the title. We're all affected by whatever this weird Castle Rock thing is. Um, But yeah, it did feel like she would be the main character in any other (laughs) show. But here it's just kind of like, well, it's Stephen King. So we got to have an empath in there. But I also like that because another show I compared this to in my mind is Outcast. Uh, yeah. Which is not a super widely watched show, I think, but uh, we discussed the whole first season on Shows What You Know, showswhatyouknow.com, and the mystery there was completely tied into ghosts, and there were ghosts, and they possessed people, and it was like, what are the rules of the ghosts? And I was like, I don't care, they're ghosts, we get it, like, you gotta get them out of the possessed people. But here it's like there's more stuff going on, because I don't care that much about ghosts, yeah. so, and I also don't care, like, when they're, when... When there's a slow build-up scene of early on of a guard going into the prison, the burned-out prison, and he, it's like we know we're gonna find Bill Skarsgård because that's in the trailer. Like we, we are. We, there's so much that we can assume uh, in a show where it's all about ghosts, and in this show, yeah, there's a lot we can assume, but there's also like more going on that I'm interested in finding out about. And finding out that she has empath powers was like that made her character way better because before mm. then she was just a weirdo who took drugs and yes. I think they did an interesting thing of introducing her as a weirdo who takes drugs and then like, no, no, this is why. And it's like, oh, uh, you did it the the other way around because you, usually you want to make them sympathetic first and then go the other way, but you went the other way. Yeah, I agree. And I also agree with what you were saying earlier about um, releasing these episodes uh, together because yes, if, if it took three weeks to get here, that would be a, a bit more to ask in a season in a show that's its first season where you don't already have like the good faith of maybe it being like the second or third season where you already kind of know this show has quality. And again, I'm not saying like that this takes away from the show. It's just a very different experience because I do feel like at this point, the information we get, we have gotten for three episodes, you could have maybe done it in two um, Mm -hmm. Or you could have maybe even done it in a like a much flashier, slicker pilot. I would say. Uh, yeah. Or it, if they if they cut some of the stuff out because like there's you said they're stacking stuff they're stacking yeah. different stuff on top of each other, and I feel like it's all going to be connected. But then you could have even c- connected it up in a more elegant way, maybe. But then I'm not complaining because actually. We watch a lot of shows on shows with Judo. Sometimes it's a toil to get through, to be honest with you. Like, oh, shit, I got to watch three episodes of this by Sunday. And here it was really like, oh, yeah, got got another one and another one and another one. And I was like, oh, cool. I I didn't mind watching any of this at all. Oh, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's just kind of thinking about it, going over it. But again, not knowing where it's going, it's hard to say. But it does feel like, uh, you know, things are a little bit slow. But that yeah. could be for the benefit by the end, by the time we get to the end. But, I mean, we've kind of, we don't have to go beat by beat of every episode, but we can go a little bit more detail here about some of the things that are going on, like we had mentioned. Um, well, I mean, I guess even before we get to the prisoner, in 1991, uh, Henry Deaver went missing. We kind of open up with uh, Sheriff Pangborn, which is a, is a, a character, a Stephen King character. Uh, I believe is in Needful Things, and he was Castle Rock's sheriff, so everything's kind of in canon in line with that. He does find Henry out on the ice, and he brings him home. And then we pick up with uh, Terry O'Quinn, who's playing in modern days here, playing the warden of Shawshank, and he has a very uh, creative way to kill himself uh, by just driving off a cliff with a noose tied to a tree so his head gets ripped off. And mm-hmm. I don't know, he sees a big shaggy dog and maybe has a second thoughts on it, but decides to go through it anyways. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those moments where you, you see the beauty of life and nature and then you go ahead anyway. Uh, usually they they they'd start, they'd start have a change of heart, but no, that was just a dog. So the dog could come up later and eat his face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great stuff. There are there is a lot of imagery with dead animals. Uh, not surprising since it's Stephen King, but like almost the first thing in the show is like a dead deer, like the sheriff finds when he's looking for the kid, and then so many dead animals throughout, like a dead mouse in the prison, and uh, I even lost count. But yeah, yeah. There, there's a fair view. Um, it it is interesting. Like that is a good hook. But we also get the solution to that hook really quickly of like, because he seemed fine. He was making breakfast for his wife and then he did this. That's like a good hook. But then like, 
they even make the theory very quickly like somewhere he 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 locked up a kid like that's probably why right and it's like yeah that's why so yeah. it's not really a mystery i mean it's a mystery why he did it but we get that in the next episode uh i'm jumping ahead but yeah, yeah. no it's fine we can kind of jump around a bit here um yeah, because I mean, I do like the because uh, yeah, in the second episode, we're we're hearing uh, Terry O'Quinn's voiceover, and it's so hard not to disconnect him from Lost, and because not, I mean, this is a J.J. Abrams produced show. There's a lot of mysteries going on, and now you get Terry O'Quinn doing his mysterious voiceover, uh, and it's hard not to have Lost flashbacks. But I do like that. I mean, he's on this mission from God. Basically, what he's telling us is that yeah. He's been told, like, he's realized this town is evil. There's all these crazy things happening. Of course, the dog, the rabid dog, Cujo people, come on. There's headlines about it. Terry O'Quinn's talking about it. Uh, Do you get it yet? Cujo. He also mentions the Strangler. I didn't get that one offhand. I'm sure someone did. Uh, I I believe I I double-checked someone mentioned the Dead Zone. And, of course, he does mention... It was the 1961, the year after they found the body by the train tracks. Oh, yeah. Stand by me, everybody. I I did get that one now that you mentioned it. But I will say, like, so much of this is over my head. (laughs) Like, so much of it is. like. And again, having consumed some fair bit of Stephen King media, it's still like the dog, the strangler. Like, I just assume this is all stuff in universe. And when it's, or it is, but you know what I mean? Like stuff they made up that will be important, but it feels like they mention stuff like it's going to come up later, but then it's just like a reference Mm. a little bit like the dog or whatever. And it's like, Oh, that's from there. And I thought, Oh, that's going to come up later, but then they don't need to do that. They just need to drop the name, I guess. Yeah. They just, the name drop. And cause I mean, and as we go through his letter, we find out that Sheriff Pangborn's the one who's reading it, and he's kind of tasked him with his, uh, you know, chore of making sure this boy doesn't get out. But I do like that he said, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize the doubt I would have because yeah. it's like, wait a minute, God's telling me to lock this child up? What am I doing? <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and it's also very reminiscent, and I don't believe it's a, no, it's not a Stephen King thing. Um, what the hell was that movie? Uh, God damn it. I got to pull it up real quick. The room? Um, no. Not the room. Uh, Frailty. <laughs> Frailty oh. uh, by the uh, the late, great uh, Bill Paxton directed it and starred in it. And it's very similar because he's a dad who is being spoken to by God. And uh, God's telling him who, who pe- what people are demons and who to go kill. Uh, And also he's giving him instructions on how to build like, yeah, he he like builds basically like a cell or something to keep people in. So very similar to what we're seeing here uh, because he gets the instructions on how to build this. They call it like a bear cage in some cases to to Mm. lock up Nick Cage, uh, Nick at night. I did like that because I was like, I didn't know what to call this dude in my uh, notes. I would just call him Devil Boy, but now I can (laughs) call him Nick. Well, I just call him Bill because yeah. we're old friends. I mean, yeah. I'm Swedish. In case you didn't know, listeners, uh, you probably did by now. I talk about it every episode. But the Skarsgårds, they really like are like uh, much like a Stephen King. They appear in every media. Like they've got a <laughs> finger in any in every pie you got going. Uh, like Westworld, we mentioned they're in Westworld. They're in Vikings. They're in every everything, every show, True Blood, whatever. They're everywhere. And Bill is the younger one, and of course he's in it. But actually, the first time I saw him, he was playing a uh, an autistic boy in uh, a movie called Simple Simon. Although mm. in Swedish, it's called which means there are no emotions in space. And it's a quirky film. It's one of those quirky films. So he, he, he was already from the start playing kind of a guy who stares off into the distance and doesn't understand what's going on around him. Yep. But he's flipped it from being quirky comedy guy to horror and i think he really found his true calling here because he's got those eyes man he's got that face uh and that's what we get into at this point in the episode they find him and they're like what the fuck basically yeah and he could do a thing where he moves one of his eyes without moving the other eye or something like that i know he does it in it he almost it's he kind of does it in the first episode when they're like checking him out i do wish that there was more to this character over these three episodes. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's creepy, of course. I mean, he's nailing that. He looks creepy. He's a weirdo. Uh, and, I mean, we get that flash 
where the uh, guard kind of s- sees on the TV that he's killed these, he's killed the other guards and broken out of his cell, but it's all a ruse apparently. So yeah. We, and and that's the only other thing too that this uh, this show does is so far most of the things, the chilling things, have just been fake outs. Yeah, I was gonna say that was kind of bullshit, especially the way it was at the end of the episode. Yeah. And then next episode, it was like. That wasn't real. And at least in, at the end of episode three, where there's another one of those, yeah. they show at the same, like they show at the end of the episode, oh no, that guy wasn't really there. Yeah. So they, they don't, because when they hold it off between episodes, it's like really a fake cliffhanger kind of. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, but but I can't blame them because they did release the episodes at once. But but yeah, I did also expect like when that was happening, it was like, cool, things are getting going. And then episodes in he's still just in prison yeah yeah and i mean and his big thing is he doesn't really say anything um which is fine i mean he's he's playing everything close to the vest but uh you know you know i wonder what uh, not that i need it all spelled out to me what's going on but give him a little bit more to do i mean apparently he gave a nazi cancer somehow through his spooky powers uh I, I kind of expected maybe something um, a little bit more there. I mean, given I, I know there, you can't give it all away in these first few episodes. You got to leave wanting more, and I guess that's working because I'm saying I want more. Um, yeah. But I feel like this Skarsgård, there's potential there. He's a he's a creepy dude. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, I hope I hope I also hope he does more this season than what we've seen him do here because he's he is a good actor. He's not just good at sitting and looking at stuff weirdly and creepily um so uh i mean theory time like if if we want to generalize the obvious thing to guess is like i don't know there's some shit going on in this town that gives some kids superpowers and uh, at some point the warden got convinced that that was devil superpowers so he he's i mean he did give that nazi cancer so it was like something pointed him out and then you had to lock him up but of course molly is also someone with these weird powers maybe more of them will appear uh and uh, you know connect that to the fact that so many people are offing themselves or offing each other uh it's it's got to be something like that right and then probably well, him himself when he's hearing god that's probably some other weird devil power or whatever coming into it i mean it's probably not god going out on a limb yeah and especially because even though um bill skarsgård is uh creepy I mean, even the person he killed, they go out of their way to make sure we know he's a Nazi guy, so he's not yeah. technically evil yet. Uh, yep. And, you know, he's very well, most likely, a victim of circumstance, and the warden was actually being controlled by some sort of evil power, and mm-hmm. it's not so much that this character is, and you're right, like, it ties in somewhat with what's going on with Molly, and, of course, Henry, because they do show that... I mean, Henry disappeared in 1991. He was gone for 11 days, um, and then his dad died in the same time frame, and they kind of blamed him for it. But they also show that when the warden is building the cage, there's a TV on for no reason other than to show us that the George Bush is on TV to put it at 1991. Like it is. Yeah. It, it, I, I mean, I already got it from just seeing it, but I did double check in some other places that pointed out like. It's specifically when George Bush was announcing uh, increasing forces or something in uh, in the Middle East for the Gulf War, and that was in 1991. So the timeline does match up, and of course Henry is going to be connected to this uh, character in some way. Um, so yeah, you're right, something to do with these kids. And I mean, I guess they they at the beginning of episode two we do see the warden's brother as the mascot jumps off the school. And then yeah. they don't really go much past that besides of just like, look at this creepy shit that happens here. But I, I assume it's going to have some sort of payoff. The stuff before that, yeah, where there's like someone dead in a tub and then the woman who's riding, riding her car with the uh, the tube like attached to the room killing her husband, I presume. I mean, I yeah. don't know if those are just Stephen King references or important to our story here. I assume they're important to our story here. I would hope so. Yeah, I, I mean, I just read it in, like, the way I understood it was, like, that's part of him saying, oh, we have the big, largest suicide rate uh, ever, and everyone just thinks it's because, you know, because it sucks to live here, but uh, <laughs> it's actually the devil. Like, that's basically yeah. what he's saying. I would be surprised if it was more like, oh, remember the car and the gas thing? 
I don't think that that'll be the case, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just setting up. I mean, there's a history here from this town. And I mean, it's very reminiscent of um, the town in it, the town of Derry. But that town was being controlled basically by the the by Pennywise is he would kind of um, almost like hypnotically take over the whole town in a weird way where weird things could happen and everyone just turns, you know, a cold shoulder to it. They let kids go missing and they let evil things happen in the town. And I do believe that they, um, at one point they pick, there is a map of Maine or maybe it's in the, uh, intro and you do see the town of Derry. And I believe one of the other towns, uh, from the book. Now, the thing with these things, like I keep pointing them out. And on one hand, I do think it's cool, but on the other hand, if the show is, keeps being too slow, it starts to like reek of like, look at this, look at this and not, like Fargo or Fargo season one and season two, I haven't watched season three yet. There's all yeah. these little references, but then the show's awesome around it. So it yeah. just adds to it rather than feels like let's just reference all these better things and then kind of be done. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the danger of mysteries where I feel like the, the real danger for mysteries is the middle of the season. Uh, Cause you get it. Like the ending could be a reveal. The beginning can be a setup, but like when you get into the middle, that's rough and sometimes you have two episodes more than you need to have uh maybe that's again we keep coming back to it maybe it will really be helped by the fact that we're launched into this season already we're three episodes in maybe episode four is where stuff really starts to happen who knows uh and they decided partly because of that but yes mysteries are kind of hard like that because it will just be a lot of waffling in the middle sometimes and the huge payoff at the end helps people forget the middle bit yeah uh, so 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 i agree i also hope that mm, we get a bit a bit more concrete motion as far as the plot in the next few episodes and on one hand if i could relate it to i mean we we do another podcast called the gilead gilead gazette where we discuss mm-hmm. handmaid's tale another hulu show uh, and not so much that, well, Handmaid's Tale definitely is uh, somewhat of a slow burn, but it's more in a slow burn in the way it do- doles out hope. Um, and I found that very effective. So I hope at the very least, the type of slow burn they do here, it's in service of things later on. And it, like, cause again, I, I don't want it to come off as too negative what I'm saying, because it can, it can totally work. And it can help a payoff what they're doing as long as it does feel like it's building to something and not just, like you said, the middle of a mystery where it starts to feel like it's running in place a bit because they yeah. they don't want to get to the end yet because they have time to fill. Yeah. Yeah. But so if you want to guess, like, what would be the thing that would happen in the next few episodes uh, that, that could be something like that? Because I feel I like it all of it so far but like you said there isn't that clear of a hook the hook is bill is in prison or nick whatever you want to call him and our main character's got to get him out of there and i love our main character we haven't even gotten into I it do, but he's yeah, so likable yeah i agree they do a good job with him uh especially like his first thing about when he appears and he's uh doing the trial and and then his <laughs> his client starts living again and he runs in and tries to save her and everything um and he he's probably not the best lawyer ever because he does say at one point all my clients are dead. Yes, he points <laughs> he he points out that he's never won a case and like he strictly deals in like death uh, penalty, which I guess it's always going to be harder anyways if someone's already been convicted. But it's, what a weird thing that uh, he's never saved anyone basically. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> well he's going to get his chance with good old Bill, yeah. um, I imagine. Um, but yeah, he, he, they do a really good job with him. And s- seemingly the, the hook and the main plot is, are they going to get him out of prison? And I don't care. Like, there are. They, they will. It's just, I would be I would rather see it sooner than later because that's going to reveal what else is going on in this town. There's a lot of stuff going on in this town which seems uh, weird and creepy, like the, the children playing the game with the masks. Like, really cool scene. Really atmospheric. But it doesn't really mean anything because yeah. it was really just there because they were playing a creepy game. <laughs> yeah, in a weird in a weird way, those are the those are the type of scenes that kind of worry me a bit for the show. Because mm-hmm. I remember seeing that in the trailer, and yeah, it's creepy. 
but is that all it is? Is that it's just, you know, a pill dealer messing around with kids that like kids that have absentee parents, like their parents are in jail or, uh, out drunk somewhere. So they just do a weird thing. Um, Yeah, I, I I would need something like that to amount to something more than just this is a cool visual. You know, that's the only those are the types of scenes that that worry me a little bit. It's still it's it's still an effective sequence because it plays into Molly's thing of you know it is nicely revealed pretty early that she just went over and unhooked his uh, his breathing tube and basically killed Henry's father. We assume because there's some sort of abuse going on. I mean, it's very apparent between her picking up his feelings and Henry making fists when his dad's there. The the one thing I'm not fully clear on is when she sees Henry get picked up, is that his dad? Because I, I don't know if it's my facial blindness, but I wasn't able to fully connect on if that is just some other character we never met or if that's his dad that took him out in the woods. I wasn't completely clear on that either, so I'm not sure. Because uh, they showed it twice, I yeah. think. And uh, I, I, I honestly don't know. I also think it's, I mean, at least for the first episode, uh, it feels so weird how this town is like, you killed your father. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, what? Because <laughs> that's not what we saw or yeah. were led to believe. But I guess it's just, this is that racism I keep hearing about. <laughs> yeah. That uh, I mean, basically, because it's like, oh, he took in this kid. And then either they blame him because he ran away in quotes because he doesn't remember i mean Br- britta lays it out for us britta is in this um, that's not britta lays by it the out. way yeah yeah so well, no, it's uh, not it's she's not in... the same actress it's not no i thought it was for at first too but i looked it up damn <laughs> <laughs> well britta's not in this yeah. uh i still did the thing <laughs> Sorry. that's so weird it looks so much like her. it does it really does it looks a lot like you're referring to jackie torrance which I assume the Torrance family, that's uh, The Shining, so I assume there's a reference there. Uh, but, yeah, that's played by Jane Levy. Uh, she's in the movie Don't Breathe, and uh, that's the main thing I know. I guess she was in the Twin Peaks revival, it looks like, going through some of the stuff she's in. But, no, I thought the same thing. She does look like, if you're not familiar people listening, uh, Britta from Community, uh, Gillian Jacobs. She looks a lot like her. I'm really embarrassed right now. I'm going to boast their IMDb's. Oh, God. Okay. Well, <laughs> never mind. Okay. Well, she does lay it out anyway that, uh, like, yeah, you went missing and then your dad died. So, of course, you did it. Uh, that's what everyone thought. And you faked like you didn't remember anything. One and, thing that uh, would make, yeah. I mean, I obviously, there's definitely a racism angle there, too. Uh, but I also would, uh, I mean, even stemming from it, it doesn't negate that angle but it would make sense that the legend would change like at first they would the first it would just be like uh oh your father was out looking for you and he died and that's your fault and then as the years pass it turns into you lured him into the woods and you pushed him off a cliff you know what i mean like i could totally see that that's how it changes because here we are what uh like 27 years later or whatever isn't there some guy when he gets off the bus who's like, hey, they're a killer or whatever, though? And he's he's pretty old. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just uh, out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Which is almost like some of that stuff almost is uh, too silly. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like so over the top. It's more Hitchcock than uh, than Stephen King almost. Um, well, like and plus yeah. that he would just immediately recognize that that's, uh, you know, Henry Henry Deaver. Like. <laughs> Not uh-huh. just some random guy. Like you, you don't. If he's been, they've kind of spelled out that he's been away from the town for a long time. So it's not like, oh, this dude got off the bus. Oh, Henry's back in town. Hey there, killer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, fake Britta does explain all that. So that made it a bit more clear for me. I guess it makes sense. But I will say overall, I mean, Molly and Henry, they're like. They're the they're the heart of this show so far because Agreed. Bill isn't really a character. Yep. The warden and all the guards they're they're not really anything. But their whole relationship that feels so Stephen King as well, or that feels so Stranger Things when they were kids and and she had psychic powers and mm-hmm. everything. Um, it's very Stephen King. Um, so their 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 relationship is the most interesting part. Yeah, and honestly, like that's what I'm most interested in. Like I want to. Uh... I'm more interested in kind of diving deeper into the 11 days that Henry has lost 
um, and kind of even young Molly as well. So like, yeah, let's just do Stranger Things for a little bit. Then we'll check back in with present day. I mean, the warden too. The warden is like comically villainous. Uh, where it's like, ah, this, all the red tape and bureaucracy, let's hide this kid and let's get him murdered by a, uh, by a Nazi so we don't have to deal with this. And, I mean, I get it to a point, and I guess it does play into this town and how this town is crazy, but without, like, knowing anything about these characters, because even, like, she specifically is brand new to the job because the warden killed himself, and it, yeah. but she's immediately evil and, like, wants to you know, uh, like hide it under the rug. Uh, that's just, it's a, it's a bit much so fast. It is true that it would be a public relations mess, but it's still like, you, you can't just keep him in there forever. That's also not going to work. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, they put him in to get killed. And then again, we already know what's going to happen. We know it's not going to go down that way. Um, so yeah, he, he gets uh, instant cancer apparently from touching him. Um, and he does say, you don't want to touch me. So uh, he was right. Um, but he did. But oh, still, yeah. even with... I was just going to say, yeah, I kind of forgot that detail where it's not necessarily like he purposefully even gave the Nazi cancer. Um, yeah. He just got it from touching him. Although I assume guards and stuff have been pulling him up out of seats and pushing him into cells and stuff, and they don't yeah. have cancer. Yeah. We've seen that. Yeah. Uh, so it could be, you know, t- like the usual thing, it's tied to his psychic state where yeah. if he's super worried about something, it'll happen. But despite that, and despite, uh, I don't know, every slow, tense scene, like at the end of episode three, when Molly's walking around. These are the scenes that I'm not excited about in horror when it's like slowly checking every room in a house and then there's sort of a jump scare. Yeah. And I, I'm i I'm so bored during these scenes because they feel like they're just padding stuff out. Sometimes it works, like the, the scene with the kids and everything, like stuff's happening there. But here it's real like, check this room, check this room slowly. And then oh, there's a scary thing. And then it wasn't real. I'm like, fucking fuck this. <laughs> uh, a little bit, a little bit. But at this, I just wanted to say, all of that stuff aside, the tensest scene for me is when Molly's on local TV. Like, that's the one I get the most tense. And yeah. I'm like, what's going to happen with the revitalization of the city center? Um, and more importantly, is she going to keep it together? Um, and she, she doesn't. Uh, she, I, I, I'm so like, oh, I really hope she succeeds at this. But uh, no, she just uh, drops some knowledge about this kid. And, well, uh, and he's, e- he's locked up. And even more so, it's it's like I'm not even worried about like the revitalization of um, Castle Rock. I'm or even like her looking foolish on TV. I'm just worried because her sister was completely correct. Like she even puts her sunglasses on and stuff. And I I do have to call out like it's such such a great move. And I assume this is has to have been done before where the the actress that plays Molly. um, Let me see. I I made a note of it. I think what's what's her name? Um, God damn it. Oh, yeah. Melanie. uh, Melanie Lelinsky. But it, her sister is played by Allison Tolman, who was on uh, Fargo season one, by the way. Um, but it's such a great casting to have them as sisters because I always confuse the two when I see <laughs> them in other stuff. I mean, yeah. very much similar. They should bring Britta in to play the sis- sister of, uh, uh, of uh, Jackie, Jackie Torrance. is her name. Um, yeah. But uh, I was just excited for the casting because actually I'm pretty sure when I was watching the first episode, I was thinking that it was Allison Tolman in the show. And then Allison Tolman showed up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's not Allison Tolman, but they're sisters. Clearly, what a genius! Cla- what genius casting!" So they just knew that you always <laughs> confuse them, yeah. And they just, yeah, they cast. I mean, well, they totally that. look like sisters. Come on now. Yeah. Um. So so also towards the end of episode three, uh, they finally get to meet up, um, Henry and Bill, and sit with the phones. And he has this plan about we're going to get you out of here. Then we're going to take this state for this town, whatever, for all they've got. And uh, Bill's just like, has it begun? Mm. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Another like sort of classic horror thing of just saying creepy shit. Um, and uh, I don't know. Has it begun, Jim? Maybe. Well, I mean, it's mm, begun. It's, he also says, begun. do you hear it now? And that's the same line he hears when he's a kid in the woods. Uh, he says, do you hear it when Molly's having her like flashes to what's going on yeah that's i that's his dad saying it let's assume yeah like, do you hear it now because yep. I, I i'm not sure if the guy in the car was his dad but that's what i thought uh, since his dad showed up dead and they were out in the woods together maybe at some point uh, when he around when he vanished so i assumed that and his dad 
was also involved in this whole weird weirdo doing stuff about Castle Rock thing. So we brought him out there to, I don't know. I, 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 it, it is a mystery, I guess, because I don't know what yeah. exactly is going on. But, uh, but yeah, uh, brought him out there to, to induct him into the brotherhood of kidnapping kids and putting them in cages. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, he, he didn't want anything to do with it. But he was gone for 11 days, and he did weirdly appear on the ice. So, I don't know. There's got to be something going on. And clearly this whole um, mummy thing they have going is central because they put it on the hashtag. <laughs> and uh, it appears a couple of times here in episode three, that guy with, you know. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, when they bandages. have the bandages. And then, yeah, she has that dream or whatever where yeah she's in the church. And then, like, everyone has different bandages covering. that. I mean, that was a very effective, creepy scene as well. Um and I mean, I remember the flashes in the trailer, so I dig that. And then there's something going on where is it a chess piece that he was holding? And then there's like a chess piece in the refrigerator. Oh yeah. Or it's like, a, okay, is it a yeah, king? It I don't know if it's a king or uh, whatever piece, but yeah, he finds one in the fridge. And then I think when he was a kid, he was like, he was clutching it when uh, they find him. Yeah, Natasha in the chat says she stepped on that light bulb and that guy showed up and I yelled at <laughs> and yelled at her and I jumped like an idiot. Uh, there's a weird thing with the sound in the show. Things are very quiet sometimes and then very loud. Yeah, yeah. I was turning up the volume and down constantly. Well, and, well that's, and, yeah. And especially when uh, Nick or D- Devil Boy's talking because he's always going to be very light and low. So you're kind of like turning it up to hear what he's saying and then, then a jump scare happens. <laughs> so it's going to be like, yeah. yeah, it's the old classic like internet 2001 strategy <laughs> of just do something really low so you have to raise the volume. Um, the guy with the bandages at the end of episode three when he shows up says, behold, I will tell you a mystery. Um, so that also feels like he's not even necessarily like the devil or super evil. He's almost just like a personification of the show. That's basically what the show is still telling us <laughs> yeah. after three episodes. Like, get ready for some mysteri- mysterious get, shit, guys. Get ready for Behold. a mystery. Uh, but yeah, I do. I agree. I, it basically Molly and um, Henry are, I mean, and I guess they should be the most interesting because it, it does feel like they're the leads of the show. Um, and they're definitely a big part of keeping me on board because I do like their characters a lot. Um, and, and we, we get to have these moments where like, even when Henry first shows up, I mean, it's, these are classic storytelling things, but it's still done well when Henry first shows up and we're like, Oh cool. Henry and Molly, but she has to keep trying to tell him to go away, but then he keeps showing up and helping her and she's trying to tell him to go away. Uh, but uh, that, that's what that the push and pull. We love that on TV. Um, yep. I almost wonder, it was weird because when he brings her to the, to, to the TV show, uh, what local color, uh, first of all, it makes no sense. Cause she looks like shit and her clothes are ripped up and it's like not a great idea to just rush down there. But I guess they kind of, they get her a jacket and they put makeup on and she, you know, ends up talking about what Henry's been thinking with this kid they have locked up getting out to the media. But then in the scene after he's like, yeah, I was second guessing going to the media, but I'm glad we did. So then I'm like, wait, did he know that she was going to do this somehow? I don't think he knew, obviously. It was just a weird line, though. Oh, I didn't uh, hear it that way. I just heard it as, like, I wouldn't have gone to the media, uh, uh, okay. like, rather than, uh, like, him. <laughs> he didn't bring her there to do that. Uh, yeah, so no, I, I, didn't I didn't think so either, but it, I just thought it was a clumsy line maybe i just heard, misinterpreted the line i was like wait a minute what you're a mastermind now henry deaver i don't think so <laughs> you can't even get someone off death row uh i do and i do uh, going back a bit uh kind of talking about the slow burn i feel like it is it was effective in the point when we finally get to where henry and nick nick at night sit down to meet at the jail not that it amounts to t- a ton but it felt like a big moment, and I thought it was very effective that we got to this point. Um, yeah. You can say what you will, and if you feel like it should have been more to it once that happened, but it did feel like, oh, shit, now they're talking. Like It, it felt like a big deal because you know it was kind of a slow burn to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the mystery as well, I will say... The, is, there's been like a couple of reveals that aren't really reveals almost 
like at the end of episode two, we see that uh, the sheriff has been reading the letter all along. Like that was the voiceover for the episode. Yep. But way earlier in the episode, he goes to talk to the warden at the bar and says, don't let that fucking kid out. Yep. So we already know he's in cahoots with the warden. And then, but the episode still ends with like, and he was reading the letter. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we know he's already on the same page. <laughs> yeah. We know he knows something here. And it, it, it is weird that even like um, the dog, like digging up the head, it's like, I, I guess I know they said the head was missing, but... Yeah. Does it matter that his head's still in the woods somewhere? Like, all right, so what? His head's missing. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, and it almost, like, treats those moments, like, larger than they are. Similar, I think, the the first moment we see the warden, like, hammering away and building the cage. Um, I, I don't recall exactly, but I think that was, like, that was almost ma- made, like, whoa, and he was involved with the kid. But that's been the assumption through the episode, because... Yes he killed himself and then the kid was found. So we kind of already knew that. Well, and plus, I mean, they mentioned something like there was a bucket full of cigarette butts or something. And I I think they kind of even just show that he's like smoking cigarettes. Oh yeah. Cause yeah, he's smoking cigarettes and he's like, ask for Henry Deaver and he leaves. So it's like, even then we already knew that he was involved with what's going on. Um, What was the other thing? Oh, you know, the big mystery though, on this show, I feel like that, that people are all glossing over. Is Henry missing toes? Uh, because, <laughs> because uh, you know, Jackie Torrance asks him, but wait, is it Jackie? Yeah. Oh, that's even more on the nose. It wasn't uh, Jack Torrance, the fucking guy from uh, The Shining. How am I now just putting that together? Yeah. Yeah. Here's Jackie. I just me- I just was like, oh, Torrance. I knew I knew it was the Torrance family. So all right, that's a little bit too much now. But anyways, <laughs> she asked him about his toes. But I could have sworn when he got picked up, it's like, oh, the guy uh, Sheriff Pangborn mentions, you know, uh, the weather. It's like below zero, and here you are. You're like, you're fine. So yeah. what is this? Just part of the old wives' tale that he's missing toes, or is he missing toes? Mm, I think it's uh, part of the wives' tale, the old <laughs> wives' tale, because uh, otherwise Molly would be limping around him, and uh, she does not limp around him. Uh, oh, that's so. right, because she picks up his uh, his feelings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it's a good question, Jim. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel like they 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 go out of their way to show that like he should have frozen to death if he was out here even for one night and yep. he was out there for 11 nights and he just showed up. So I almost want to feel like some fucking aliens, man. Yeah. There's aliens here because well, he I mean, almost got abducted. Stephen King's gone the alien route a few times, so yeah, uh, it's not out of the realm. Past him. Don't, yeah. but, we should probably have brought this up at the start, but I mean, Stephen King, he's not really in, he's not involved in this, right? At all. I mean, he's, he's credited as an executive producer, but I don't think that, I think they just have to do that because they're using his characters. From my understanding, yeah, yeah. yeah I think he even, he even tweeted something where they were asking about it and he's like, your guess is as good as mine. Like, it's not like he's yeah. involved in the writing or anything like that. Yeah, so we've talked. We also have a podcast discussing Game of Thrones, everyone, at showswhatyouknow.com. And we talked about how, at times, since they're going past the material of the like the source material in Game of Thrones, at times it comes off a bit like fan fiction because it technically is. And this is the most fan fiction that a show can be because it's a mashup. It's like someone said, like, I love all this Stephen King shit. Let's like shake it up and put it together. If this was a book, it would be the worst book ever written. <laughs> um, it, it's not though, and it's yeah. not bad. Like yeah. I'm just saying. T- t- all the things that they're doing and all the things of dropping references, they don't hold anything up on their own. It's a question of, if is it going to hold up as its own thing? It's almost despite, like it, it, like you said, it has the weight of having to do a lot more almost because it put all this pressure on itself. If this was an original show like Stranger Things, like everyone loved season one of Stranger Things and it was yeah. like, so cool, they're doing like, they're doing Stephen King stuff, but it's an original thing. Um, and here they can't really say that because they they're literally doing Stephen King stuff. Um, so, so it will be interesting to see how it lives up to that and whether it manages to deliver. I'm, I'm, we were, I said at the start, we were cautiously optimistic before watching it. I'm, I feel pretty much the same way after watching these first three. I agree. And, um, I mean, I guess, does it, I mean, not quite settle the argument, but does it partially answer the question if we come out on the other end of this season, season one, 
of Castle Rock and whether we feel like it's a great success or left things to be desired because a lot of the, and then in comparison to something like Stranger Things, which is a similar thing because it totally is inspired and paying homage to Stephen King, but without adding some of the extra baggage of actually being in the universe or multiverse, because a lot of people, that's the argument against a lot of reboots. It's like, okay, you don't, don't reboot Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can come up with something like in the same spirit, but make it your own. So would it help answer this question? Because we have two shining examples now. I'm sure a lot of the Stranger Things, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that hate Stranger Things and even us bringing it up like, oh, you idiots, you infidels, how dare you? (laughs) Uh, But I feel like, I mean, I feel like it'd be some good exhibit A and exhibit B for this type of argument. No, I I think that's a good point. And then, you know, we'll know even more after season two of Castle Rock because, uh, like, you, you get... I don't know. At at the same time here, they 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 really have had free reigns. It feels like it's not quite an adaptation or reboot, really. So they're, they're doing their own thing, which gives even more like you really got to nail it this time, uh, guys. Because because if you don't, um, everyone's gonna be mad at you. Like yeah. if 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 you don't nail it when it's your own show, nobody just nobody watches it. But if you don't nail it and it's someone else's material, oh, you're going to get pissed. Look at Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is It is kind of like, I mean, you get you get some extra shine and extra attention because you do have that hook. But, yeah, that could be a gift you don't want in some cases, uh, especially if you get some super fans that show up and they're not quite happy with what you're doing. Or maybe yeah. just the fact that you mentioned Cujo, the super fans like, this show's the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, just... Uh, like the standard, of course, for me, and I'm pro- sure probably you. Like everyone says, we want more original stuff these days. We want more original material. But hey, if you're gonna do something like this, do something like this because I it is way more interesting than just making the It TV show. Agree. Uh, well, I guess maybe that could be great too, actually. Yeah. But but just doing like the fact that I don't know what's gonna happen. That's almost what I value. Uh, when it when it's not a reboot, when it's something original, like I don't know what to expect, and I uh, can hope for the amazing. <laughs> and if it's a, an adaptation or a reboot, it's like then it's like it's just got to live up to the previous thing, and it rarely does due to nostalgia. And yeah, I mean, and it's even though you know the cynical side of me would scoff at this, it's still fun to be like, okay, we're going to Shawshank Prison. It's like, oh, shit, that's great. <laughs> like, it's, it's still kind of fun. So I get the want to do something like this. It's just you can't let that do the heavy lifting. And the jury's still out. I don't feel like they're completely leaning on references yet. But uh, I don't – there isn't enough evidence to say that they aren't either. But that's not a bad thing. We'll see how it pans out, and I'm excited to see where they go with it. Yeah, but the real question here is, what do you think, dear listener? Why don't you send in your thoughts and we'll include them in our next episode? The email to do that is showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. That's showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. And of course, you can find all of our other podcasts at showswhatyouknow.com or just search your iTunes or similar app for things like Gilead Gazette, where we discuss Handmaid's Tale, Westworld Theories, where we discuss Westworld, or just, hey, shows what you know to get all of it in one feed. Well, let's not forget the It's All Good Man podcast, uh, your one-stop shop for Better Call Saul. Mm, good point. Yeah. And then there's also jimandthem.com for more from Jim Scampoli yeah. and awesomepedia.org for more from me. Uh, but yeah, so we've now entered Castle Rock. What are we going to do now, Jim? Now leaving Castle Rock. 